0: Welcome to City Church Virtual once again. Uh, We're excited about the possibility of eventually getting back to being together, but we're doing what we can right now, so we're thankful that you can join us this morning. We started a new series last week called Going Below the Surface, and the idea is that we're trying to understand and build a biblical worldview, and that seems like a strange thing to talk about. We don't use that terminology a whole lot, but it's important for us to understand and know scripturally the way we should think and the way we should make decisions. And so last week, we started the series and we're using this iceberg illustration that the iceberg above the water would represent really our behaviors, the things that people can see, the things that we do on a regular basis. Right below the surface would be the values that guide those behaviors. Right below the values would be the beliefs that guide the values. And then underneath that is the worldview that determines our beliefs, that determines our values, that determines our behavior. So last week we looked in Colossians chapter 3. And in that passage, we looked through the whole thing. There's a lot of focus, many times, on the behaviors that were to put off sinful behaviors, put on godly behaviors. And because of that, then that tends to be the way we speak, the way the messages we hear. But we talked about that is guided by and the values that it guides it is we're focused on God's interest. We seek the things that are above, not staring off into the sky, but seeking God's heartbeat in deriving what we do in, in our lives. And then because of that, it's based on that seeking God's interest is based on the fact that we have died with Christ and risen again in Him. That's what Paul says there in Colossians. But ultimately, that is based in the fact that we are in Christ. Christ is our life, Paul says. If, if you saw last week's message, if you remember, we talked about the fact that it's, it's not Christ wants to be first in our lives, it's that Christ wants to be our lives. Paul says, for me to live as Christ... And to die is gain. He says that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so we live as Christ. That's the the worldview that guides this whole idea of putting away sinful behaviors and putting on godly behaviors. Now today is going to be a little more flexible. Because today, we're going to talk about... We talked last week about having an established mind, that we're established in our faith with Christ. But today, we're going to talk about having a loving mind. Now, love is one of those words that everybody has talked about. You've heard 100,000 sermons on them. Everybody wants to talk about what love means. Everybody goes through the four different definitions of love and all these different things. But I want us to understand when we look biblically... What are we talking about, about love? Because love can be all kinds of things. And so as we we think through that, I was thinking of the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we look at those things and we, we make these vows many times, especially here at New Year's or whatever, or we we have somebody that's just driving us crazy and we determine, I know God wants me to love them, so I'm going to start loving them tomorrow. I'm going to do better. The preachers talked about the fact that love is not a feeling, but it's an action. So I'm going to begin to show love to people starting tomorrow. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other night and we are talking about the, the patience there in Galatians chapter 5. I said, you know, if I determine in the morning I'm going to be patient today. I've decided I'm going to do it. I'm not even going to make it out of my driveway before somebody pulls out in front of me and cuts me off and I'm, I've am already lost my patience. Because I decided I was going to do it. Paul says here it's the fruit of the Spirit. But you know what, in, in All the years I've been in ministry, I've done short-term mission trips with people. I've worked with homeless people. I've worked doing soup kitchens. And so I always ask people, why do you serve? Why do you serve the church? Why do you give to the church? Why do you go to these soup kitchens or or other local ministries? Why would you go on a short-term mission trip? And I hear all the time the answer, because it makes me feel good. Now that's not a bad thing. We all want to feel good. But the problem is long-term service, long-term loving someone many, many times does not feel good. I see all the time on Facebook all these young couples that have just gotten married. and And I don't want to ever make them feel like they shouldn't do this. But you see these young couples, oh, you know, it's been such a great week of of a honeymoon. It's been such a great three months. Oh, it's so wonderful. And and I, and you go, you do realize that 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 honeymoon's going to end one day. Doesn't mean you hate the person. Doesn't mean you decide you, never, you know that this is the worst thing you should have ever done. But life kicks in and long term goes away from the feelings. I can remember telling teenagers uh, that when Judy and I first got married, I said. The romantic idea of marriage lasts until the first stomach virus. Because once you have both of you, have a stomach virus, there's no romance anymore. There's no good feelings. You have to learn to deal with one another in a very bad situation. And so this is, when we talk about love, we need to remember this. So I want us to think of this idea of the iceberg. Going back to what does love look like when we talk about the iceberg? Well... We already talked about behaviors. I've decided that I'm going to do the loving thing for people. I'm going to help the homeless, I'm going to go on a mission trip, I'm going to love my wife, I'm going to wash the dishes for her, wash the clothes, I'm going to reach out and serve someone in my church, I'm going to serve someone at work, I'm going to do all I can to sacrifice them. We decide these actions are going to happen and that's okay to determine those things. And the reason we do it is because we see the value of love. Love is important. So we're going to do these loving things for people because the value is love is important. Well, that's based on the belief that God loves us. If love wasn't important, God wouldn't love us. But because God loves us, we love others. That's what John says. And then the the worldview, what does that mean? See, we've, we've kind of surface looked at these actions of love based on the value that we know love is important, based on the belief that God loves us. But what worldview should guide that? So let's think biblically. The actions, we can go back to Galatians 5, to the fruit of the Spirit. We can go to other passages where we're told, as a, as a husband, I'm told to love my wife as I love my own body. I'm told to love others. Jesus said to, to love one another. So there's these different actions of love that we can do for people. We can. Paul has a bunch of different passages where he says, serve one another, love one another, care for one another, bear one another's burdens. All these one another's are how we live out love for others. But remember, it feels good to love someone and to do something for someone for a short time. But eventually that good feeling goes away eventually, you realize, as Jesus told the disciples, the poor you will always have with you. Now, he wasn't degrading the poor. What he was trying to say was, guys, realize that there's always going to be need. There's always going to be someone who is reaching out and needing love and needing someone to care for them. And if you are doing it just for the good feeling There's going to be times when you're going to be tired, times when you're going to feel like I've loved this person to the end of my rope and I can't do it anymore. So so it's not just this outward action that brings the good feelings. So what is it that we know that is the value that is based on it? Well, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says this. And I'm in the wrong chapter. Excuse me just a second. All right, Romans chapter 8. We want to live and show love to others above the surface here, the iceberg. Because below the surface, we understand the value of what it feels like to be loved. We read that passage in Romans 8 and we sit and think that there's nothing, not a single thing that can separate me from God's love. That gives me a good feeling. And I realize the importance of love because God loves me that much. He loves me so much that... If I die, it doesn't take away His love. If I live, it doesn't take away His love. Angels can't take it away. Demons can't take it away. Nothing can take away God's love. And so because of that value, we try to live a certain way. But remember, it's not just a value. What is it that we believe? Well, Jesus tells the disciples in John 13, He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, so you love one another. Over and over again, we're commanded to love. John says in 1 John that that we obey God's command. We show love to God by obeying His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. Because we love, it's not a burden to us. I spoke at my aunt's funeral last week and my cousin spent the last 12 years taking care of his mom. Now she was in a home, but he was taking care of her. He would go and care and carry her food, carry her gifts, go and take care and do these different things. That, that could become a burden if we didn't love. But because of love, it's not a burden. But Jesus is commanding us to love. So we, loving actions, the above the surface, the behaviors based on the value that because God loves us and the, the feeling that it brings to be loved, then we believe that we are to love because Jesus commands it. He asks us to love. He tells us to love. So we have this. You no, know, But again, it's going to be hard. We're going to get tired. So what worldview should guide that? In Matthew chapter 22, in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is confronted and he's asked a question. What is the greatest commandment? And he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the context of this is, this is a question that's been asked to kind of trip Jesus up. Just a few days earlier, Jesus has... Ridden into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, everybody's excited about what's going on. The next day, he goes to the temple and he overturns the tables and he throws out the money changers and ticks everybody off. So then the Pharisees and the the Sadducees decide, we got to do something to, to get rid of him. So they begin to challenge him. The first challenge that comes after that is, they come and ask him, hey, what right do you have to do this? And you know what? He doesn't answer them. He says, well, let me ask you a question. The the baptism of John, was it from man or from, from God? And they said, well, we don't know. Well, then I'm not going to answer you. So he's just kind of taking them off again. Then he tells the story of two sons. The one son says, yes, Father, I'll go do what you asked me to do. And he doesn't do it. The other son says, no, I'm not going to do it. And he goes and does it anyway. And then he tells the story of the tenants who have been given a responsibility to take care of someone's land, and they blow it. And then he says, hey, the other people have been given this responsibility to invite guests to a wedding, and they blow it. And all of the, Every story he's telling is telling the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you were given a responsibility and you blew it. And so now they come to this question and they say, hey, you know, what about paying taxes to Caesar. What about the government? Should we care about the government? And he says, well, give me a coin. Who, whose picture is it? Caesar's. Well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So he fools them with that. Then they come and they say, well, let's, let's, let's ask him a religious question. What about the resurrection? And he answers them about the resurrection. So he's they're doing all these different things to kind of trip him up but because he loves and because he's trying to, to help them to understand and know who he is, he, he answers their questions and he, he tries to challenge them. Then the question comes about what is the greatest commandment. Now we've all heard this over and over again. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. But what, how is that guiding our worldview? Well, if I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, that means everything about me. All my mental faculties, my physical faculties, my emotional faculties, all of these things, everything is geared towards loving God. That worldview that says it's important that I love Him with everything, then no matter how tiring it gets, because I'm loving Him, I continue to love others. See, as, I, as I'm pouring out and I'm ministering to someone who is homeless, I remember I was serving some guy's lunch one day at a, a soup kitchen in, in Fort Worth, Texas. And we ran out of lemonade and all we had to drink was water. And this guy was complaining that all we had was water. And I'll be honest, the more he complained, the more frustrated I got. And the more I thought, I'm giving you something free and you're griping about it. But the guy that I was there serving with is on the streets of Fort Worth, Texas every day. He's been on the streets of Fort Worth since 1981. And he said, you know, it's not because you're trying to meet a need. It's not even because whether he should gripe and complain or not. It's that because we love God with all our heart that we love Him. And that's how that second command that Jesus puts with it comes into play. We love our neighbor as ourself. That means if we love as Christ loved, that's what He told the disciples to do, How does he love? Neither death nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor rulers, nor angels. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That means that even when it's hard, even when we're tired of hearing the complaints, even when someone disagrees with us politically, even when someone disagrees with us theologically, even when someone cuts us off in traffic, that because we're living our life based on the worldview, that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves, then we constantly seek to show love. Does that mean we let everybody get away with everything? No. See, I think what's happened is, In the church, in some ways, we have taken the first commandment and because we are so geared on loving the Lord and obeying Him and doing what His Word says, that we've treated people like dirt. Because we're so geared on, you better do right, you better do right, you better do right. And so we get tired of how people are living and we go, well, I'm just going to love the Lord. And because I love the Lord, these people don't understand. They don't don't love the Lord. Well, that's the wrong attitude. That's being judgmental and not saying, hey, I'm not saying whether we judge their fruit or not. I'm saying we're judging them as a person. That's what we're called not to do. And so we, we take one side and we say, well, I love God, but I don't know if I love people. Or we see the other side that says, oh, I love people so much, I'm never going to tell them that what they're doing is wrong. I mean, it's just, it's not loving for me to say, you're in sin. It's not loving for me to say, don't do that. Well, it's not a milk toast idea of saying, you know, guys, you can do whatever you want. I love my children. And when they were younger, there were things I didn't let them do. I didn't let them go in and turn on the stove and stick their head in there to smell the gas. <laughs> I-, I didn't let them go play in traffic. Was I being mean? No. I, I love my wife. And there was a time when I had to do something terrible to my wife in a loving way. And you say, what does that mean? That means I had to sit and watch a doctor put a vein in her arm and put chemotherapy in her. Put a poison in her body. Why? Because I loved her and I wanted the cancer gone. We love someone. We, we do what we need to do to get rid of the cancer of sin in their lives. Because we love them. So love is not this judgmental, I love God and everybody else can just go jump. I don't care. It's not that, but it's also not do whatever you want and live however you want and I'm just going to feel good and love you. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that your love isn't based on Whether I do the right thing or not. And your love isn't based on uh, my looks, my personality, or anything like that. Your love is based in you. And I thank you for that. And I thank you that you've told us that we love because you first loved us. Help us to live with the worldview that says, I want to love the way Christ loves me. And I want to love the Lord with all I have. And I want to love others as myself so that in the long run we can see love overcoming. Your word says love bears all, believes all, hopes all things. Love never fails. So help us to love with that love. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Next Sunday we'll be back in person at uh, East Point Academy. If you want to know where the address is, check on our website. It gives you the address. We meet at 10 o'clock on Sundays. We'll be there together next Sunday. I'm looking forward to that time to be together again. And if you have any questions about the message today, about our church, about directions to our church, email us at elders at thisiscitychurch.org or... Uh, Info at org If you have a prayer request and you want us to pray for you, then email us at prayer at org So we're so thankful that you joined us today, and hopefully we'll see you next week in person at East Point Academy.